The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. There might be no time of the year where there is more anticipation and expectation than as we approach Christmas. In the past couple of months in our house, um, we have had repeated conversations about when Christmas is coming. Since about mid-October, my kids have been asking every day when Christmas comes, which which has meant a repeated conversation about about how the months and the days and the weeks work. And so so I had to explain to them, well, first comes Halloween, then there's Thanksgiving, and then after that is Christmas. To explain, uh, first the leaves fall off the tree, and then you get snow, and then naturally last week week there was snow. And so so I had to explain to them, well, now there's snow on the ground, but it doesn't mean today's Christmas. It means it's, it's, but Christmas is going to be very soon. And so our house has just been been filled with excitement as, as our, our, our almost three-year-old and almost five-year-old have, have anticipated and waited um, for, for Christmas morning. And so um, just last week we got to go see Santa Claus and my son um, is familiar with the movie Elf and so he explained to us before going, he said, I know that the Santa Claus at the mall is not the real Santa. He said, I, he pulled off the beard and so, he, and so I had explained to him, the way you know, look at his beard, that will tell you if that is Santa or one of Santa's helpers. And so thankfully it was the real Santa. So my kids with excitement got, were able to share what they are hoping for in, at Christmas. And so I, I love this time of the year. And part of it's I'm a child at heart. I love driving around and seeing the Christmas lights with my kids. I love all the Christmas music that I've had playing since about the beginning of November. I, I love all that comes with it. I love coming to worship as a family on Christmas Eve to sing songs by candlelight. I love Christmas morning to watch my kids' faces as they come down the stairs and see gifts just piled up around, around the tree. They're like all of the anticipation and excitement. Like I love that about Christmas. Throughout the Christian church, Christians have used these weeks leading up to Christmas to celebrate what they have historically called Advent. Advent means arrival. And so you, you, use, you might even have heard the word used in a phrase like, all right, it was the advent of television. Right? That, that means it was the arrival of television. That's when it, when it came. There, you could say it was the advent of that king. It's when the king showed up. And so Christians have historically used this season in the weeks that lead up to Christmas to, to celebrate the advent of Christ, the arrival of Christ. And so they, they celebrated that by anticipating, by preparing, by expecting Jesus to come. And so it was a twofold expectation also. It was the expectation of the celebration of the birth of Jesus, yet at the same time it was also the expectation that Jesus will one day return and make all things new. And so Christians have used this season to prepare, to anticipate, to expect Jesus to give himself to his people. If you could take your Bibles and turn in them to the book of Luke, chapter 7. If you're using the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 1603. Today we're continuing a series called The Songs of Christmas. And the idea with this series is to take beloved songs that we sing this time of year and to use them as an a entry point into a discussion uh, as the scriptures point us to the work of Jesus. And so throughout the series, we've been reminded, the first week, Pastor Joe reminded us that the, the reason Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year is because of the unexpected joy that is brought to us by the birth of Jesus. 
The following week we talked about the, the message that we share as Christians. That God has given us a message. And so we go and we tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere because Christ is born. Last week Pastor Tony reminded us of the messengers. That God sent his messengers, the angels, with the good news of Jesus. And he sent them to the shepherds. People like you and I. Today I want to talk about a song that is a little bit less familiar. And so if you have a church background, you may be familiar with the song we just sang for offering, Come Thou Long, Expected Jesus. If you don't have church background, if you're just a guest with us, um, this is a little bit less known, right? Many of the Christmas songs that we sing also end up on the radio, but this is not one of them. This is a classic Advent hymn. A hymn that was written by a man by the name of Charles Wesley. And he wrote this song with this beautiful, rich, theological language about the hope that comes as we wait for Jesus. And so he wrote about, about the, this longing, right? Come thou long expected Jesus. In other words, we've been expecting, we've been anticipating, we've been waiting for this Christ child to come. And so he does it in a way, he parallels right, Israel's hope as they waited and anticipated and put their hope in Jesus. And he also parallels that to our hope as Christians as we wait, as we anticipate the work of Jesus at when he returns. And so he used language like, from our fears and sins release us. Right, that in the birth of Jesus, in the advent of Christ, is a release from that which, which we are afraid of. In the sins that enslave us. And so I want to use this song today as we think about the expectations, what we wait for when we look to the birth of Jesus. And so I want to look at Luke chapter 7. I'll begin in verse 18. And I want to use this to parallel the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Because what we find in this passage is it describes to us the expectations that John had for Jesus. And so I'll begin in verse 18. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? All right, so John the Baptist here, he's in prison. And John the Baptist is in prison for rebuking King Herod. And King Herod, actually here, he'd married his, his, he married his brother's wife. And so John the Baptist decided to rebuke him, to call him out on that sin. And so John the Baptist ends up in prison for that. Now what's interesting about this is John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist would actually have his disciples come and report to him. And so John the Baptist, just like Jesus, they both had their own disciples. And so John the Baptist's disciples would routinely come in to check in with him. Since John is in prison, he, didn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't really know too well what's going on in the world around him. So his disciples would come and say, all right, here are the things that have been going on in the neighborhood. Here's what people have been saying. Here's what people have been doing. And because of that, because of the growing renown of Jesus at that time, many of those conversations would have been about Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. Here's the miracles he did. Here's the crowd of people that were all surrounding Jesus. And so in this occasion, the, his, John's disciples come to talk to Jesus, to report back to him. And John doesn't just hear about Jesus, but he has a question for Jesus. And so he tells his disciples, he says, all right, I have a question. I want you to go. I want you to go back to John and ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? See, because as John is in prison, he now, ha he's now has some doubts. Right, is Jesus really the one who I was supposed to be preparing the way for? 
Is Jesus really the Messiah that I had been waiting for? Right? I have these expectations of what the Messiah should look like, and I'm not sure if they're matching right now. And so, so it, are you really the one who was and is to come? Are you really the promised Messiah? Are you really the Savior who was born to rescue us? Or do I need to find someone else? And so John's disciples do go to Jesus. It says in verse 20, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Now when we look at John, right, there, there are a number of doubts that we can see taking place. One, he's in prison, which I, could, which I can understand why that can cause some questions when he's wondering about the work of Jesus. Because for John... Right? He hears about all the good things that, that Jesus is doing, but he doesn't really get to experience it. And if you're John the Baptist and you know that you're doing God's work as he was baptizing people and preaching this message of repentance, right? if I'm John, me ending up in prison was never a part of how I expected things to go. And so John is trapped here in prison with doubts. Is Jesus really who I thought he was? But it's also interesting, not only the circumstance of John, but if you look at the message that John preached, just a couple chapters earlier in Luke chapter 3, we learn about the message that, that John preaches as he is preparing the way for Jesus. And so in, John th in Luke 3, verse 16, it says, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He's talking about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor. So as John preached about Jesus, he had these clear expectations of the work that Jesus would come to do. And so he, he used this language as he preached about, about the judgment that would come. About, about Jesus would come with, with Holy Spirit and fire, and this fire, there would be a winnowing fork, right? This, this strong, judgmental, harsh language that John preaches as he preaches about Jesus. Now what's interesting here is, is, is I, you have to wonder, now as John hears the reports about Jesus, what's going through his mind? Now, now, now the questions that, that I think John is wrestling with doesn't mean what John preached was not true. In fact, in fact, those things were absolutely 100% correct. But you have to wonder, for, for John, is, is John experiencing some doubts? Because the way he thought that event would look isn't looking the way that he thought it would look. As John preaches about judgment and the winnowing fork, does Jesus look different than what John expected? Did John expect it to happen differently? Did John expect it to happen at a different time or in a different way or with different methods? See, things don't seem to happen the way John expected them to happen. See, some of you have had doubts about God. And for some of you, those doubts have come because of your situation, that you, that you were in a prison of sorts. And, and so because of your situation, you, you felt trapped. And as you've been trapped, you've heard about the good news, but you didn't ever feel like it was good news for you. You heard about the work of Jesus, but it, it never really felt like it made its way to where you are. And so, so, so you wondered, well, can God really be trusted? Can God really love me? Does God really heal? Does God really care? Does he really listen? Others of you have experienced doubts that are actually t strongly tied to your faith. 
See, this is what we see here when, when, when you look at the message John preached and, and his doubts in these moments, that, there, that John has a clear picture of who God is, of who the Messiah would be, but when that, when that picture doesn't look the way he thought it would look, he has some doubts. See, some of you have had doubts because you believe in an all-powerful God who can heal and hears your prayers. But then God didn't answer the way you hoped he would answer. He didn't respond to your prayer the way you thought he would. And so this all-powerful God who hears you, you felt like he didn't hear you. And, and, so, and so your faith is, is an accurate picture of God, but the expectations that came out of that have led to some doubts. Because God didn't act the way you expected him to act. And so the question in these moments is where do we turn when things don't go according to our own plan? Because there's a problem often for us in the midst of these doubts. In the midst of these expectations. See, unmet expectations often lead to problematic solutions. So when you leave it, just when you look at our own relationships, when, when, when there is a failure to meet expectations, it often leads to us turning to a very problematic solution to that problem. And so somebody fails to meet the other's expectations. And so, and so maybe, maybe the one of the solutions is, you know what, I'm, I'm just done with that relationship. Right? You're no longer meeting my expectations. You're not giving me what I need. And so I'm just done. And so I run away. Or others, when, when the failure to meet expectations, instead, you don't run away, you feel trapped. And so you can't, get, you can't leave the relationship, but you feel trapped in it. And so resentment grows because you're in the relationship but not getting what you need from that relationship. And so you feel trapped and you're in this place of despair and without hope. And so you decide, all right, you're, I'm just going to bear with it, but, but remain frustrated that I can't get what I need. Or, or what happens in the, in the unmet expectations is, all right, you're not meeting my expectations, so I'm going to find someone else who will. And the same thing happens in our relationship with God. See, when God fails to meet our expectations, at times we will want to run away from God, saying, I'm done with God, I, I, he, he's not listening, he can't hear me, and so I'm done. Other times we'll feel trapped. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not done with God. I can't get away from God, but I don't have hope. Or other times we look for someone else that we can trust. Something that's better, an alternative to God. So when John the Baptist experiences his doubts, it's, it's because things didn't happen the way that John the Baptist expected them to happen. And so as he wrestles with those unmet expectations, he asks the question, should we expect someone else? Should, should we wait? Should we look for another Savior? And in other words, John the Baptist is, is, try, is communicating to Jesus, Jesus, you haven't done for me what I want you to do for me. Jesus, you haven't done what I have been waiting for. Jesus, you, you aren't meeting my expectations. And I know you do a lot of good things, but you're not doing them for me. Jesus, I know you might be, it might be good news, but it's not good for me. All right, I know, I know you might be, it might be true for them, but it's not true for me. And so John is asking, all right, should we expect someone else? And so Jesus responds, verse 21, At the very time Jesus cured many who had diseases sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind so he replied to the messengers 
Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. See, as John experiences all these unmet expectations, as John experiences all these doubts, Jesus responds with simplicity and clarity and says, let me tell you who I am. And so he just says, here's what I've been doing. See, Jesus responds by pointing to his work. He quotes, he quotes Isaiah when Isaiah says things uh, like the eyes of the blind will be opened, the lame leap like a deer. Right? Jesus says, I am who the scriptures have prophesied about, and here's what I do. See, when the way that Jesus is doing his work, when the timing of when Jesus chooses to do his work, and when the results of that work lead to unmet expectations for John, Jesus responds simply by saying, here's what I've done. Despite John not having things go the way he'd like, he's able to have hope. Because what Jesus does is he gives him an adjustment of expectations and says, all right, you might not know why you're in the situation you are are in. And you might not understand all of how this is going to look like, but let me tell you who I am. See, in the face of unmet expectation, Jesus points to who he is and what he's done. When our expectations are not met, we often respond to the question, should we expect someone else by looking for someone else? And whether we're literally turning to another God or functionally beginning to trust in something other than God, our expectations can lead to a misplaced hope. Right? As, we, as God seems to fail to meet our expectations and we begin to turn to something else, our expectations lead us to put our hope where our hope doesn't belong. And so I want to unpack a couple of ways that I see this happening for us. The, the first way that we misplace our hope is when we, when we lose hope altogether. At times it, when it seems like God doesn't meet our expectations, we, we believe, all right, maybe God isn't who he says he is. Maybe, maybe he's not real. Maybe he's not worth trusting. And so misplaced hope in this situation is a hope that's given up on God. And for some of us, it leaves us frustrated, in despair, angry. And so John's temptation in, in that situation is for him to lose hope. Because God might be good for, for them, but it's not good for me. Because God isn't answering my prayers. I don't know what you've been waiting and hoping for God to do in your life this season. But I want to encourage you, please don't give up hope. Now I know that's not an easy encouragement either. Because for some of you, you feel like, you've, you feel like maybe you've already run out of hope. And so here's what I want you to hang on to today. Jesus doesn't always meet our expectations. But he always gives us what we need. Jesus might not always meet your expectations, but he will always give you what you need. The birth of Jesus is not about meeting the expectations of the people who are waiting for him. The birth of Jesus is about showing up in an unexpected way to give people what they need the most. And so hope comes not in met expectations, but in the arrival of Jesus. 
by his birth. Jesus is saying to you that even when, you, when your experiences makes you feel unloved, Jesus is saying, no, I love you. I came for you. When, when your life leads you to feel like, all right, I can never be good enough, Jesus is saying that by his life, by his obedience, he makes you good. When your own experiences make you, make you feel like, all right, I could never pay God back. I can never do enough. Jesus is saying to you, by his death, he has paid the price. And when your experience has told you death is overwhelming, death is too much, Jesus in his resurrection says, I bring life to dead places. So those might not meet your expectations of God, but I pray that it can give you hope. Because I, I, I think maybe for many of us, it's not that God was the problem. But possibly it was our expectations of him. There's a second way that I think many of us misplace our hope. And that's when, that, that's when we choose to put our hope in ourselves. See, what many of us will, will do is, is, all right, if God doesn't seem to be doing for me what I need him to do, if he doesn't seem to be responding the way I need or, or helping me do the things that want to give me the experiences I want, what I, who better than who knows what I need than myself? I'm sorry, if, God, if God's not doing it, well, I know what I want. I know what I need. And so then I begin to rely on myself to be the best person to determine what, what is right. To be the best person to determine what is most beneficial for me? Now, now, most of us probably wouldn't say we're putting our hope in ourselves, but, but, but think about it. this. This is exactly what happens. See, when we make decisions based on what we want instead of what God wants, who are we putting in hope, our hope in to know what's best for us in those moments? See, see in my marriage, if I make a selfish decision instead of a selfless one, what I'm doing in that moment is I'm putting my hope in my own decisions and my ability to give me what I want. When I lie and cheat in order to get ahead. What I do in that moment is I'm putting my hope in, in my ability to get ahead. Not in, my, not in God's faithfulness to me even when it's difficult. When I have a temptation to compromise sexually. Right, in that moment, the question is, do I put my hope in, in God and what he has done for me and what he says is best for me, or do I compromise because, because I believe I know what's best for me? I can even do this with my finances. I can do it when I spend recklessly or when I hold on my mon to, onto my money too tightly. Right, my hope in those moments can be, all right, my hope is in what I can get, or my hope is in what I have and the security that it gives to me. And so for many of us, what we do when God seems to be failing to meet our expectations, we look to the only person we feel like that will meet our expectations. And so we put our hope in ourselves. But what we'll find is as we do so, we don't really get, we might get, we might be able to give ourselves what we want, but we don't really give ourselves what we need. And so for us, what do we do in the midst of the unmet expectations? See, God doesn't change, but sometimes our expectations need to. In the situations where God didn't give you what you wanted, 
When God didn't condone the sin you wanted or when he didn't respond quick enough, when it didn't happen the way you wanted or with the results that you prayed for, maybe it's not God who needs to change but your expectations of him. When John the Baptist asked, should we look for another savior, Jesus points to his work. Whether you're asking that question because of the doubts that have come from your experiences, whether you've already moved on from that question and put your hope in yourself, I want to speak into those unmet expectations with a picture of the kind of God we can expect. The Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians chapter 4 speaks to us about the birth of Jesus when he, when he writes these words. But when the set time had fully come, not, not your time, not my time, but when the set time, when, when the time that God had planned and ordained, when that time had arrived, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. God had a time prepared, and although you weren't expecting it, he sent Jesus to redeem you so that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. See, Jesus may have failed to meet your expectations but there is one expectation you can have that he will never fail to meet. He calls you a child of God. That by his life, you are no longer slaves. But you are sons and daughters. Unmet expectations are met with expectations that God will never fail to meet. Expect God to always be with you. Because Jesus will never leave you. Expect God to always forgive. Because Jesus always responds to your sin with grace and mercy. He always speaks to you that your sins are forgiven. Expect God to hear you. Because Jesus always listens to the cries of his people. Expect God to fight for you. Because even when you lose the fight and feel like the battle's overwhelming, Jesus is always victorious. Expect God to defeat death. Because Jesus is in the resurrection business. And he promises to restore all of his creation and make all things new. See, in the face of unmet expectations, we can run away. We can lose hope. Or we can change our expectations. Jesus, in the face of unmet expectations, might not give you what you, what you were expecting, but he will always give you what you need. And so he shows up in an unexpected way to give us what he will never fail to give us. Let's pray and we'll prepare our hearts to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Jesus, we thank you for the promise that you never fail to give to us, the promise that you give your life for us.
that by your death, by your resurrection, that our sins are forgiven. And that even in the face of unmet expectations because of our circumstances, because of our our situations, because of um, unanswered prayers, thank you for the reminder that that, that in the midst of those unmet expectations, that we can expect that you will never leave us, that you will always forgive us, that you will always fight for us. And so as we prepare to celebrate this meal that you gave to us to receive your body and your blood, I ask that you hear us as we take these moments to confess our sins to you. As we take these moments to confess with the expectation that you will forgive. That we confess expecting that you promise that every sin is washed away. Hear us as we personally and quietly confess these to you. The expectation that you can have of God in this moment is that he remembers your sins no more. It's my privilege to declare the words of Jesus to you. Your sins are forgiven in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.